Welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. We are at episode 35, the Big 3-5. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Da Puma! Must have been a great day. It was a good day. It was a good day. It was a good day. day. Today was was a good day. You know, the words of Ice Cube, the poet, today was a good day. Yeah. What's good, man? Dude, not much, man. Just uh, got off work, came over here, you know what I'm saying? Ready to uh, lay this podcast down. Yeah. Uh, How about you? What's on on your end, man? You know, nothing nothing too crazy. You know, getting getting psyched, going up to Buffalo this coming Sunday, see the, the Bills Redskins game. So... Just just trying to make it to tomorrow, man. Just trying to make it till 5 o'clock tomorrow, and yep. then I'm on fucking vacation mode. It's going to be fucking sick. I, I swear, I, I do envy you and your, your schedule, because you have that Sunday through Wednesday schedule, and it's fucking dope, man. Four tens is awesome, because you have three days off, and, like, my week is just starting. Like, I still have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to go, and right. I, have, I have a couple of, like, massive things I have to get through, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be an easy week. But I tell you what, once uh, Saturday rolls around, bro, I, I literally told my boss, because my boss has a great guy, and I love him, you know what I'm saying? But he has a way of, like, intruding on my time off sometimes, right. you know what I'm saying? And I told him, I was like, listen. I'm in Buffalo. I'm going to turn my phone off Saturday, and you will not hear from me <laughs> until, like, Tuesday, until when I get back into the office, you know? Right, right. So it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it, man. I, I think it's going to be a great drive up. I mean, uh, it's peak fall foliar season, right? Yeah. Uh, there'll still be some leaves up. Well, uh, we'll take a nice little drive up, man. See we'll Niagara Falls. Like, yeah. we'll do the ultimate touristy shit. Yeah, and then we'll see the game on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Yep. I'm going through a table. I'm going to join Bill's Mafia. Oh God! Um, Can't I wait. want. I want. I, this is what I wish would happen in a perfect world, right? I wish I would get to the top of this RV in the middle of Bill's Mafia, right? I wish you would be in Mick Foley. Like, get up, right? And then I wish you would take me through a fucking table, right? <laughs> now, that would be my ideal situation. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, <laughs> as long as you don't mind breaking your spine, because some of those videos, that, like, those tables don't give. Like, right? you bounce. You know, that table's not giving you anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, if yes, had, let's make it happen. If I had to guess, I think Bill's Mafia is probably the best fan base in the in the NFL. Hands down. If I had to rank it, it's got to be Bill's Mafia. Yeah, you got to have the black hole. The black hole's got to sure, be number of two. Course. Yeah, yeah. And then, but, but I think Bill's Mafia is fun, right? I feel like there's no danger, but I think black hole. I think you're gonna get shot in the parking lot. Black now. hole's fun up in, as long as you're not talking you're reckless until, until you die. You know, it's like it's like that part in Training Day. You've seen Training Day, right? That's a pretty oh my god, movie, fucking right? love okay. Training Day. So the, the the scene where where Jake and uh, forget Denzel Washington's character's name. The detective. Oh god, I forget. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But like they go My in the, man. they go in the cul-de-sac, right? <laughs> and like the yep. dude tells Jake, tells Ethan Hawk's character, don't come here without me. Like that yep. is Raider Nation. That is the black hole. Like yep. you are not going into that cul-de-sac. You got a random guy standing on the roof clapping at birds. <laughs> like that that is Raider Nation right there. At least Bill's Mafia, you're gonna have you're gonna put through a table and you're gonna have a beer and you're gonna get a couple of wings and you might run into Jim Kelly. So, so what, do th- what do you think is number three? You think uh, well, Eagles fans maybe they're fucking crazy. Oh man, what do you they're, think number they're, three they're, is? I mean, they're, they they threw snowballs at Santa Claus for Christ's sake. Uh, they boo anybody, right? They boo anybody. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I bet you there's a baby on the field that's like, dude. Remember? Uh, so like, put it this way. I, I bet you if like. Uh, the Seahawks a couple weeks ago, the halftime show where they had the corgi race. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah, I bet you the the fans in Philadelphia would probably boo at those dogs. Oh, they boo at the dogs. Like, if like if like let's say I don't know one of the dogs rents a dog or something bad happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying they would probably boo those dogs. No shit. 
That's the fucking. You know, with the, on fans. that note, you, you probably got to put the twelves. You got to put Seattle at three. Yeah, right? I would say that's Seattle yeah, twelve. Top yeah, three. Yeah, yeah twelve. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. What, what would you do top three for college? College. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> uh, so I, I think about it, and I would do Ohio State just because right. I'm a Ohio State fan. Penn State and their whiteout. I've right. never seen a more intimidating um, atmosphere than a night game at Happy Valley with 110,000 people all in whiteout. Right. That is the most intimidating scene of all time. And then probably number three is Death Valley with LSU. Like, oh no, at shit. Night, at it's night, like at one Death of the loudest stadiums in the country. Oh, at night at Death Valley, like it's been proven, uh, and this is on record that the um, I believe it's a geology building. Right yeah, the, the seismograph. The Seismograph actually registered an earthquake because it gets that insane in Death Valley. No shit. No shit. When I was like the first PlayStation, like a college football game I played, I think it was like NCAA 2004, 2005, where you could control like the the stadium with this shit. I always like would try to get my character I created to go to like LSU, so just so I could fucking do the Death Valley thing. Loved it. Dude, I I know you're not a big college football fan, but in two weeks, that LSU Alabama game. Uh, one versus two, huge. Oh my god, it's it's fucking insane. That's like the it's the fucking biggest game of the college season so and far. And then it's there's so many storylines going into the draft too because you yep. got Joe Burrow versus is Tua going to make that game? He's got an ankle injury. He has an ankle it? injury. He had a he had he had a, he had a surgery on his high ankle sprain. Yeah, the tightrope surgery to tie in some ligaments or whatever it yep. was, right? Um, but I believe he should be ready for that game. And if he's not, then right. know, that's gonna, it's still going to be fun to watch. Right. Because um, Joe Burrow has been shooting up a lot of draft boards. Yeah. Dude, dude, listen, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but the amount of talent that Ohio State had in that quarterback room a year ago, it was fucking unreal. And the reason why Joe Burrow transferred is because he lost to Dwayne Haskins in spring camp, which is fine, you know what I'm saying? But, like, it was Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins, Tate Marshall, Tate Martell, who ended up going out to Miami. And then you had fucking Justin Fields transferring in. That's, like, a fucking shit ton of amazing quarterbacks in that room, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) On top of that, um, I wanted to make this point. Like, I was looking at... um, Nick Bosa and the great game he had this uh, this uh, past Sunday. Yeah. And then uh, Joey Bosa, obviously, is a great defensive player. And then we have a guy coming out of Ohio State in the upcoming draft by the name of Chase Young. Who I, like I know, I know boys. Dude, he is, he is arguably the best player in college football right now. He, he could be leaps and bounds better than both Nick and Joey Bosa combined. Like Miami dude, Dolphins' first overall pick. Dude, this dude is the real deal, I wouldn't bro. even mind that. I wouldn't even mind. Dude, 13.5 sacks and you're only nine games into the season? Like, you're going to break all these records. You're going to... I wouldn't even mind that. I would do the, this young, this Chase Young Chase cat Young, yeah, yeah. at first, at the first pick. And then if you want to get a fucking quarterback that bad, yeah. assume assume that the Steelers pick is probably going to be top five, yeah. top ten at the worst. Well, Tua is going to fall. That's He's already fine. And I don't want Tua. Yeah. I don't want Tua at all. Trust me, you don't want Tua. No. You don't want Tua. I don't want Tua at all. Nope. Name one quarterback... Post Joe Namath, that's come out of Alabama, that's done anything. Yeah. All AJ McCarron, all he did was win on Sunday, yep. uh, on Saturdays. He couldn't keep a job. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then uh, another top five pick, and this guy's going under the radar out of Ohio State just because Chase Young is uh, the, the main guy on that defense. But Jeff, Joe, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback, he's going to be like number three. He, he might be number two after Chase Young. Because he's that good. It's probably going to go Chase Young or a quarterback at one. Is he like a Denzel Ward type of cat? So, Ward, was, Ward was a Buckeye, right? So Denzel Ward a little bigger with more speed, okay. more physical. Um, and uh, he reminds me of Darrell Revis. Just a pure tech. A pure, pure one-on-one guy. Yeah, pure one-on-one guy. Like all over the field. And I and I think those guys are going to be in the top five coming out of the draft next year. Okay. It's going to be insane. 
The amount of talent that we have on the Ohio State team, like, I'm getting a little too carried away right now, but there is not a better team in the United States run than the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I truly believe we're going to win the championship this year. Oh, snap. Like, we're going to go up against probably Alabama. If we're number two when the rankings come out, um, we're probably going to play number three, which might be – oh, God, who might be? We're probably not going to play Alabama in the first round, but we'll probably play Alabama in the championship game, and I think we're going to smack them. Okay. We did it in 2014. Yeah. That was the first year that we – there was the college football playoffs, and Ohio State kind of uh, threw Alabama around. That was Zeke and Cardell Jones and all those right. guys as well. You heard it so. here first, people. Dude. Buckeyes I, going to championship dude, games. I am I am fully on board with this, man. Like, And this starting to become there's, – there's hype nationally as well. That's oh, but you're the up. conductor of the hype train. Oh, dude, I, I started it like uh, three weeks ago when I started realizing this team is really good. And I think you know me fairly well that, yeah, I'll like you know go over the top with my teams. But I am somewhat fair in what I see on the field. Right. And there have been years, the last two or three years, where I looked at an Ohio State team and said, no, that is not a right. national championship team. I, I watch Alabama, Clemson on the weekends, and I see you on the weekends, and you're not that. You know what I'm saying? But this team is definitely that. So Okay. Super excited, man. I, I can't wait. And I'm going to the Ohio State Michigan game. Is, is that the big house? The big house. Oh, God. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Jesus good times, Christ. Probably Harbaugh's last big house game, too, so I it's going to be fine. Yeah. Before we start, let me give a shout-out to my boy Mike Parentino. He hammer is, time. Uh, hammer time. Exactly, right? <laughs> Mike the <da> Hammer Time. <laughs> so, now, who's this cat? So Mike is um, one of our supervisors in accounting in Van Nuys yep. uh, at our main uh, office in Van Nuys, California. And he has recently jumped on the Pro Football Radio bandwagon. Oh, sick. And he listens to us on a weekly basis. So him him and uh, Aaron the Viking fan, Aaron they, the OG, yeah, him they, and Aaron are they the Viking in, they're in the same fan, department, right? They're the same. Yeah, yeah. So they both work in charter. And Aaron sits uh, on one side of the uh, room and uh, Mike sits on the other side of the room. And they're both... Uh, uh, they're both big fans of the Pro Football Radio podcast. Sick. Well, and welcome aboard, yeah. Hammer Time. Hammer Time. Hammer Time. Greatest name of all time. This guy. Drop the hammer. He's he's a 49er fan? <laughs> he's a 49er he's gotta fan. He's got to be happy. Yeah, yeah. He's a 49er fan. He's happy there, undefeated. And we'll uh, we'll give we'll give the 49ers some love today as well. When we oh, for sure. Games, right? For sure. All right, cool. So let's get into the storylines from week eight. And uh, I think since today's a trade deadline uh, at 4 p.m., I think we're going to start it off with Da Puma breaking down uh, the major deals, of the major deals that happened before the trade right, deadline. Right, right. Or in this case, I mean, there was a lot of hype going into this this trade deadline. It, it was up at 4 o'clock today. Yeah, and before you get to that, like, I thought more dominoes would have fell. I, I thought, thought there was going to be a I thought it was going to be like mass chaos breaking out. Um, and I was hoping I would get some time at work to like, maybe throw some stuff up. But it wasn't as bad as right. I thought it would no. be. No, I, I mean, here I was. I was banging the drum yesterday being like, Zach Ertz and a, and a draft pick to Arizona for Patrick Peterson would make sense in, in my mind for both parties. But yeah. that never happened. Uh, it was kind of a, like a, a, a dud of a deadline. I mean, really the only major move that happened was uh, Aqib Tlaib uh, being traded from the Rams to the Miami Dolphins with the fifth-round pick. For uh, I believe it's a seventh rounder that Miami's sending back, and this was just strictly a salary dump by the Rams to uh, to clear cap space to re-sign Jalen Ramsey to some mega deal that he wants in the off season. But say what you want about the Dolphins, yeah, they are freaking geniuses, yeah, because they're taking on they're taking on a keep to leave who's on IR. He's yeah. not eligible to come back until week fifteen, but they pay, they're paying like a prorated uh, version of his salary. This year, they got a draft pick, and then at the in the offseason, if they want to cut a keep to leave, 
no cap hit. Yeah. They just bought a draft pick. They did that with Ryan Tannehill. They did that with a couple other people as well. So they're really stockpiling yep. the war chest with draft picks. And then the other, I guess, air quote, major move near the deadline yesterday was just it was the Jets and the Giants making a trade. Leonard uh, Leonard Williams goes from the Jets to the New York Giants. They paid a the Giants paid a pretty penny for this. Yeah, too. And 2020 that's later on, I want to talk about a 2020 third rounder and a 2021 sixth rounder. Yeah, that's uh, a hefty but, price for a guy that underperformed this year, right? You know? I mean, you know, this is kind of like an on brand move by Dave Gettleman, short of when he drafted Christian McCaffrey. When he was in Carolina, he yeah. always seemed to be drafting like the big guys on the defensive side of the ball, specifically the defensive line. So it's an interesting front four they're going to have with this kid and De- uh, Dexter Lawrence and uh, you know a couple other folks up there. So that was kind of an on-brand. But the rest of it, there was just a bunch of rumors. Like Jamal Adams was almost going to Dallas. It was a deal almost right up until the 4 o'clock deadline. But the Jets were kind of looking for what the Jaguars got for Jalen Ramsey, which was like two first-rounders and I think a third, a third-round pick. Like, that's what kind of what they were looking for with uh, Jamal Adams. And then the New York Jets, they were about to be a fire sale to begin with, with Le'Veon Bell being the first one that was listed as being on the trade block. And then you have, I think, Adam Schefter and other folks like Ian Rappaport tweeting out that everyone short of Sam Darnold and Quinn Williams was available via trade. And then Trent Williams and the Redskins fiasco, like the, the Redskins have been adamant for months that they're never, they're not going to move on from Trent Williams. And then last night they started to thaw a little bit. And then this morning they were looking for uh, first round draft picks plus a playmaker in the case of the Cleveland Browns, they've been the ones calling Washington so much that they wanted draft picks plus Denzel Ward mm. to go for Trent Williams, which is, you know, Bruce Allen's just, I think Bruce Allen was just being that guy, you know, i.e. me when I was first doing fantasy football of like making insane trade requests, but he was doing that in real life. Wait, football. wait you realize that, that you were making the same oh, yeah. trade requests? Oh, okay. I like for, me I offering for Matt Stafford for David Johnson to Pat. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not my fault. Pat hit except, but it is what it is. God damn it, Smokey Pints. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's what Bruce Allen was doing. And then you fast forward to after the deadline, Trent Williams shows up at the facility. He, air quote, ends his holdout. He gets checked out by the same people, the same medical staff he's had issues with all year long. And then it comes out, he has no desire to play. He just, he just showed up. He reported today so his contract wouldn't toll and he wouldn't add an additional year on before he hit free agency. Wow, so them hardcore, it is huh? now it. it is just a pride – from the Washington Redskins thing perspective, this is just a pride petty move because yeah. they could have moved him for a shit ton of draft picks. There's one picks. team in New England that would love to pay him all There's that. There's one team in New England. There's a crazy general manager out in Cleveland that would love a guy to block the, the left side of the line for Baker Mayfield – and they didn't they didn't pull a trigger on the deal. And then the Cincinnati Bengals, they could have traded. Yeah, I thought they were going to have a fire sale as well. What are they, they doing? Were, I thought they were going to dump. What are they doing? I thought they were going to dump Geno Atkins. I thought they were going to dump A.J. Green. Um, the Patriots were in line to try to get Tyler Eifert, some, some tight end help, you know? Yeah. And uh, apparently Paul Brown uh, doesn't believe in trades uh, yeah. that exist in football. Yeah. Uh, so their big move of the day was benching Andy Dalton on his birthday. So Paul Brown is an interesting cat. And living in Ohio, uh, you hear a lot about uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati football. And Paul Brown is just one of those cats where he's very cheap, right? He doesn't have the cash flow. And he makes petty, stupid moves. And I'll give you a case in point. Um, 
a good ex Buckeye that has shared this communicate that shared the story with several people in Central Ohio and has gone around via radio was once called in for a workout with the Bengals. He shows up last minute because he got a text like, you know, hey, we need you at the facility ASAP for a for a workout. You might be signed here ASAP and play maybe this Sunday, right? So he shows up immediately. He like drives down from Columbus, two and a half hours, gets his workout, and he goes in and tries to get a workout in. And he didn't bring it. He didn't bring like any like um, official like NFL gear or an official like um, Bengals gear. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and he said, "Hey, can I can I get some gear? Can I get like a couple of shorts? Can I get some cleats? Can I get like a hoodie to go outside and run through my drills? Because it was cold outside, you know." Right. And they said, "Oh, uh, I'm sorry, we don't um, we don't give out um, gear, but we can get you a 20 percent discount from the pro shop." <laughs> he had to pay for his own stuff. Yeah, and that's Paul that's Brown insane. and how he runs that organization. And and there's other stories of how guys uh, on the way out from practice um, in certain certain teams will just grab like eight, nine Gatorades on the way out to go home and drink and rehydrate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, at, at, at Paul Brown's facility, it's one Gatorade per person on the way out. And this is a story you hear over and over again. And why Cincinnati is such a shit-run organization because of stories like this. That's why I don't understand then. It's because you could have traded AJ Green, let's say you get maybe a first, a first and a third. Do you think a guy that wants to charge for Gatorade when he was an NFL franchise team but makes no, sound but, decisions? But hear me out. Win? Like you could have traded him for if you think if you want to play to the cheapness of Paul Brown. You could have traded him for draft picks, and you get people on rookie deals that aren't even getting paid well, for what they cheap, should be. It's cheapness and pettiness. Yeah. Uh, it's two things that— You're going to play out a contract. That was his yeah, big line exactly. with, um, with Carson Palmer, right? Carson Palmer. And, and this guy, the way he thinks, and that's why you see these shit organizations such as the Washington Redskins where pride is on the line for some reason, and they don't make moves to help their teams out. Like, there have been many instances where, let's say, the Patriots could have fucked over Michael Bennett when pride was on the line there, right? Where he seems to show up a, a coach, right? And mm-hmm. he seems to not be happy with his playing time and how they're using him. They could stick it to him and sit him on the fucking bench all year long. But they know. it's what, What's pride going to get you at the end of the day? Right. Move him. Call it right. a day. You know and they saying? get draft picks. Yeah. They get draft picks. They, they'll, they'll draft the dude that's bagging groceries at Market Basket yeah. and turn him into a pro bowler. Exactly. But, like... Say what you want about the Dolphins. At least they have a plan. They at do. Least, well, at least well, they, they have do, a plan. But with... certain times, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there during games and he's like, ready to like fucking drop 14 points and win a game. You know no what doubt. Like, they're just flirting with winning. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose or if they're giving the illusion of. I mean, last night was the most on brand thing for the Miami Dolphins. They yeah, come know, out right? hot on defense. Their offense kind of shows signs of life. And then after halftime, the, the wheels fall off the bus in the third and the fourth quarter. But like I was saying, at least the Dolphins have a plan. Yeah. Like, they embrace this idea of let's completely reboot. We'll get all these draft picks. It, we have to hit on some of these. But at least we're going to have the draft capital to, if we're not where we want to be, we can move up. If we don't like where we're at next year, we can trade up. We can do this and that. And then you have these teams that are going nowhere fast that 24 to 48 hours before the deadline, yeah. it starts to dawn on them, maybe I should make these moves. Like, yeah. it is insane how the, the Redskins and the Bengals completely botched this golden opportunity to purge large contracts, talent that people want. I mean, look, th- there was a huge market for Trent Williams. Name me a team that doesn't want A.J. Green when he yep. gets healthy. They yep. could have restocked all these draft picks, and they're just they're just out of touch with reality. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, what they're doing, man. They have no—they're not going anywhere today. And on top of that, they didn't fucking get the draft picks they need. At least Miami has a plan. And I, mean, I will could, give you, you that. You could have traded—call you know? it crazy, crazy trade talk. 
you could have traded Andy Dalton to the Chicago Bears for probably a third or a fourth round pick. Yep. And Matt Nagy would have been fine with that. Yep. And have that guy playing and Sunday. And Andy Dalton's a hell of a quarterback compared to Turbisky. You know? <laughs> so that's the. It's yeah. just amazing. What's up with uh, Jamal Adams talking all kinds of shit? So Jamal Adams, after the deadline, he came out, he hopped on Twitter, and he was saying that all these reports of me asking for a trade uh, are a lie. It was reported throughout the mid-afternoon time frame, around 1 or 2 o'clock, that you know he was approached by the Jets, that they were looking to possibly trade him to Dallas, and he was kind of on board with going back and playing in, for the hometown. And then after the trade line passed, he comes out and says, oh, I didn't want to be traded. You know, I even had a meeting with the general manager and head coach at Gase and told them that, you know, I want to be a Jet for life. And yeah, then okay. after after the fact, you know, the general manager went behind my back and was shopping me. One, it's been verified by a few people, mainly led by, uh, you know, Mortensen of ESPN, that... Joe Douglas was not shopping you, Jamal. He was listening to offers. This is what a general manager does. If you're not going to listen to offers, you're not doing your job, i.e. Washington and Cincinnati. So if there's ever a time where you can kind of reboot the offense and restock your draft capital, yeah, you should be listening to offers. So get out of your feelings, Jamal. That's what the general manager is supposed to do. Yeah. Well, he has a loud mouth, and he always talks a lot of shit. He's one of those guys that loud talks. Loud mouth, and they're what, one in six? Yeah, he's one of those guys, and, and that's what pisses me off the most. Well, first of all, talking shit in the NFL never gets you anywhere. Like, it's not going to work out for you in the long haul. Right. But he's one of those guys that talks shit and doesn't even back it up. Like, he's not that good. I don't think he's that good of a defender. Maybe it's just my Jamal Adams and Jets hate, you know what I'm saying? But right. I don't think he's that good, so whatever. Uh, okay, my storyline um, from uh, the last week was the Patriots versus the Browns game. And uh, the Patriots beat the Browns 27-13. Um, Bill Belichick gets his 300th win, and it was quite the easy win for New England in all accounts. Um, now, the Patriots are, are, are A-0, and they look to be ever so slightly getting better weekly on the offensive end, right? Just slightly better week by week. Uh, what I really wanted to see was how the defense um, was going to hold all those weapons of Browns in check. And truthfully, I was a little, I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. Maybe the rain had part uh, had something to do with it. Um, but I loved how Stephon Gilmore, for the most part, erased OBJ. He got his four or five catches or whatever it was. Uh, but there's nothing big, nothing like no blown coverage. So Right, um, the one big play, they, you know, Nick Chubb couldn't hold on to the football. Exactly. And, and yeah, that's part of the – yeah, exactly right. And our, our, what was it, 31? I forgot what his name is. Cyrus Jones, right? Yeah, um, that yeah, came yeah, up yeah. from behind and stripped uh, Nick, uh, Nick Chubb on that big play. Yep. Um, and uh, Jamie Collins harassed Baker Mayfield all day, man. Jamie Collins, I love the dude. I think he should win some sort of defensive award by the end of the year. Um, he had 13 tackles, 1.5 sacks, and two quarterback hits. And that's the kind of production the Browns were hoping to get out of him when they paid him all that money, and he got traded to, <laughs> to the Browns. He did absolutely nothing, right? No shit. Um, on the offensive side, like I said, they're ever slightly getting better. Um, it's like a, I can see small improvements week by week. It's not leaps and bounds better. Um, but the O-line did play better than I expected and better what they've done in the past. Um, but I'm still seeing the same pattern where the O-line can provide enough protection for short to mid routes. But anytime the offense calls a play that requires time to develop downfield, mm-hmm. there's absolutely like no no protection for Tom Brady. Right. So short medium routes, they're they're okay protection wise, but anything long, I, there's no chance. My zone line called them, and I, I see them trying to develop. I see them trying to run in games and try to get the uh, try to get some rapport going there, but it's not working out. Uh, Brady finished with two uh, fifty nine, two touchdowns, uh, decent day, and they worked some new into some plays as well. Um, and I think 
the more I think the second half of the season you'll see a better New England Patriots offense as they gel some more as they get Isaiah went back as uh, Harry comes off uh, Nikhil Harry comes off of IR I think you'll see a better offense going forward because I see those small improvements right. week to week they're gonna have to step up too because it's you know now yeah. they get they got, a, they got a couple of big tests coming up they do and on that f- schedule and for the Browns man I think a drastic move needs to be made they're two and five and they. No, Dell was already chirping. Yeah, right. Exactly, right. And they're just so bad. I have nothing else to really say here. They're just bad. And I think you got to fire Freddie Kitchens. I think that's the drastic move the you got to make. Mistake. They're, they're, exactly. Their biggest mistake was hiring somebody that has no experience being a head coach. They should have brought. They should have just brought in uh, Mike McCarthy. Like mm-hmm. they, they should have brought Mike McCarthy in. Yeah, they should. have. I, I mean, anybody. Could you imagine Mike Freddie McCarthy? Kitchen. Oh my god, that'd been amazing. But exactly. I kept Freddie Kitchens as a fucking offensive coordinator. Or hey, have Todd Munkin well, do what he's supposed to do. Part of the issue is Glenn. Uh, what's his name? Glenn Dorsey. What's his name? Mike Dorsey. Uh, GM. Uh, Glenn. Some, Glenn. GM Dorsey. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think he wanted a puppet master. You know what I'm saying he's a puppet right. master. He wanted he a puppet wants master. A puppet. And, yeah. He and, wants somebody he can control. And then Baker was lobbying coach. for the job. Exactly right. So I, I think it's bad all the way around. I think these guys have way underperformed what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, they've only looked good for four quarters this game against the Ravens, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. And then uh, the Jets on Monday night. Yeah. Where exactly. Odell got an 89-yard touchdown. Yep. And the Jets, we know, are not good. No, they were a JV team that so. night. It was just eh, the Browns are what they are. I mean, the, the, yes, their schedule gets easier at the end of the year. And, yes, the AFC North is weak. But I don't know. I don't I don't think they're going to be – they're going to have to win out. They're, it's not like their schedule's getting any easier. I think they got Denver this weekend. So – yeah, uh, they, they they got their work cut out for them before they hit the end of the end of the season. Uh, my second point is just Drew Brees, uh, his triumphant return back uh, from his thumb injury. Uh, he he fulfilled the timeline. The early reports were that he was going to start, uh, you know, the last week against the Arizona Cardinals when he first went down with that thumb injury. I personally was like, you got Teddy Bridgewater rolling. Why not just go into the bye week, let Teddy go against the Cardinals, and then you, you're you know get a couple couple more days rest with the bye week and uh, come back swinging. But, I mean, he was he was in this game. He was backed, and he looked like he didn't miss a beat. Went 34-43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. And the, the one pick was kind of earlier in the game, so I'm going to chalk that up to just getting some rust off. And I think Patrick Peterson got the interception on that play as well, too. Um, but with Drew, Brackett, Drew back in the fold, they have this bye week coming up. Uh, they'll be able to get Alvin Kamara arrested. He's been sidelined with a bum ankle. Uh, I think the Saints, in my opinion, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers are 7-0. But I think that on all accounts, factoring in the quarterback play as well too, I think the New Orleans Saints might be the best team in the NFC right now. Of if, course, yeah. If I had to rank it, if I had to rank it right now, it's New Orleans, San Francisco, Green Bay, Seattle and then yeah. Dallas. I'm still like yeah. not really that sold on the Dallas Cowboys just yet. Yeah. So they're in the top five, but not really. I think same for me as well. I think I have a uh, New Orleans. I have a uh, Green Bay second and third 49ers because sure the defense is balling for the 49ers, but they're I just think, the football. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good this year. Like yep. I, I, he's an average quarterback. I think his touchdown interception ratio is fairly um, the same. There, but I don't think he's he's they're winning in spite of him, truthfully, in some right. games. So I don't think he's that good. Yeah, I mean the Emmanuel Sanders pickups gonna help, but that's assuming Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna throw the ball. But I mean the Saints look great. They look great. The defense is great. And let's see if they can make a, a large, a, a big playoff run. And the one thing I guess that's also working in this fit in Breeze's favor 
call it a little bit of a blessing in disguise, is him being sidelined since, what was it, week two when he had the thumb injury against the Rams? Week two or week three? Uh, that's less bullets he had to throw. He, he has more bullets left in the gun for him to push the ball downfield for when the games start to matter when we get into December and January and then you know possibly a Super Bowl berth for the, the New Orleans Saints. So yeah. a little blessing in disguise, disguise for Drew Brees. And uh, I'm really excited to see what the Saints team does. Yeah, and they're my Super Bowl pick. Uh, I have the Patriots with Saints in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and I think that's looking good for right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, my next storyline is going to be, uh, when do the Browns admit they made a mistake oh, and Bears. drafted? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Chicago Bears, yeah. We've been railing <laughs> on the Browns for fucking like well, eight weeks should, right now. Well, they should admit that as well. <laughs> well, I think when did the Chicago Bears admit they made a mistake by drafting uh, Mitchell Trubisky, a.k.a. Mitchell Turdbisky, right? Um, the Bears lost to the Chargers 17-16. Um, on Sunday, and sure, they missed a field goal to win the game, but that offense has looked so inept so many times during that game and for the first eight weeks of the season. Looking back at the eight weeks of play so far, the Mitchell Trubisky-led um, offense at any time doesn't look good. Like, I, I don't remember a time where that offense has looked good, where they looked smooth and they were clicking. I have, I don't remember that. Um, now, for the most part, I personally never bought into Trubisky, and he... And he proved myself um, correct on uh, on Sunday by committing two massive turnovers in the fourth quarter that cost him the game, in my eyes. Um, now, in my personal opinion, I think he's a career backup that has been hidden from criticism because the defense carried that team to a great record last year. And that's what a lot of people confused him being good when the defense was really being good last year, when they were 12-4, and four, whatever it was. Um, and like I said, I've seen enough from him. I'm calling a bust. I was kind of hoping the Bears would make a trade in the deadline today. I feel like they could really use a quarterback that is a veteran to step in um, and take the reins and kind of correct the season right. going forward. Because let's call it for what it is. I don't think Trubisky's is getting any better. You know what I'm saying? And this is not going to correct itself. So right. let's let's call it let's call for what it is. You made a mistake. Let's move on. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times GMs, right, will stay stick to their guns or teams will stick to their guns when they take a uh, player super high in the draft, especially a quarterback. Well, that's the problem with Ryan Pace is not only did he take a quarterback high, he, took he traded up from three to two to make sure San Francisco didn't get him. So he mortgaged like two years worth of draft picks to yeah. get their guy. And on top of that, they passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yep. Like you can't you can't look at Patrick Mahomes and and somehow figure out what he's gonna be now is something you can see at draft time. But Deshaun Watson was a guy that on the national stage twice whipped Alabama into submission. And you had a chance to draft him, but you didn't. You right. So looking back on it, it looks like it was a bad bad uh, draft uh, pick by these guys uh, in Chicago by the Bears, and they gotta just call for what it is and try to rectify situations. Right. Now. Right. And, you know, it, it kind of blew my mind just to see, you know, the, the amount of regression that Trubisky had. And, you know, I even went back. I did the Sunday night where I compared the 2019 season through eight weeks. And then I did through eight weeks of 2018. And there, it was kind of interesting to see. So rush yards. I mean, this is the one aspect of Trubisky's game where he's actually really good. Is he, you know, he can keep plays alive with his legs when he ha when he has, you know, some designed runs and he can improvise on the run. In 2019, he's at he has 31 total rushing yards through eight weeks last year. He's had 302. Mm -hmm. So he had 302 rushing yards. He's averaging this season 3.8 rush yards per game. 
2018, 37, call it 38 rush yards. Passing yards through eight weeks right now, 1,092. In 2018, 1,955. <laughs> like average yards in a game, 136. 244 last season. Average attempts, 24 to the 32 and a half last year. And his turnover ratio right now, or the turnovers, uh, he's had three interceptions so far, one fumble this year. Through eight weeks, you know, not that great. Seven interceptions to four fumbles. Now, I'm not absolving Trubisky of everything. I mean, his his hips, his footwork are atrocious. His hips are coming from, they're lagging, they're dragging behind. He's trying to put touch and power just strictly on his arm. He's either airmailing it past his wide receivers into coverage for an interception, or he's bouncing it into the dirt. Uh, so that's completely on him. His reads, they're not consistent. You can call the same play twice, and you're going to get two different results when you should be looking at the first read every time if the coverage is allowing that. And I'm going to put a lot of this blame, though, on Matt Nagy. Like, you're not playing – he's not playing to Trubisky's strength. If you're able to rush with Trubisky a little bit, you're not going to have coverage of, you know, seven or eight guys dropping into 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 coverage to just make Mitchell Trubisky play quarterback. You're going to be able to change things up. You're going to be bringing people down in the box. They're not even calling run plays for Montgomery and, and Chris Davis and, and Tariq Cohen. And you could have used Trubisky rushing a little bit in the red zone on Sunday. That yeah. red zone office was was just atrocious. They couldn't get anything going. Tariq Cohen was trying to bounce things outside. And then you have Matt Nagy doing the most head-scratching thing since Bruce Arians in week two, kneeling the football down so Eddie Pinheiro can kick a 43-yard field goal instead of just at least rushing it to put it in the middle of the goddamn field. Like, I don't know at what point – is Matt Nagy going to be held accountable a little bit? And then that press conference was just amazing where he was just kind of being a, a dick and a half. Yeah, he was. Like, he seemed like he's dissing himself a little bit from Trubisky. Right. It's it's just, it was the weirdest press conference. And I think he, I think he even forgot himself that say if they did run the football yeah. or you have Trubisky drop back and try to just hit like a quick, yeah. simple slant route. Yeah. And if he gets sacked, they still had a timeout. Yeah. It wasn't the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why why he mismanaged that game so badly at the end of that game. But I but I think part of it is also his lack of confidence in Trubisky. Right? right. I mean that tells you everything you need to know about Trubisky and how he managed that game towards the end. Right. But it's I don't know. Like it, like I said, I'm not absolving Trubisky of everything. But it's not like the play calls are that different from last year to this year. Yeah. That offensive line is still the same from last year to this year. Yeah, it's a quarterback development. He took a big step back. Yeah. But, I mean, he's not even doing Nagy. Nagy's not even doing anybody favors by not even running the fucking football. This is why I always say I like to have a good year, year and a half, and then make decisions on quarterbacks and if they're going to be great or not, you know? Mm. So well, we'll I don't see. think anyone was anointing Trubisky as greatness. I mean, they were saying he showed a lot in Nagy's system. Yeah. When compared to John Fox, yeah. anything is great is better offensive production wise than yeah. what John Fox. Yeah, I'll was. give you that. Yeah, there wasn't that massive like hysteria around Trubisky. Um, they were expecting him to take another yeah, leap forward. I'll give you that. There year. wasn't that anointment or that massive hysteria that is around other quarterbacks. But I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll buy into that. Um, okay, cool. Uh, that wraps up our week eight storylines, and uh, from here on out, Brennan, the the season just gets um it's week eight so there's only eight more seasons eight more weeks left sad. and it's just it's just the downhill from here yep i'm just counting down until the nfl season's over this is yep. when i start getting sad yep you know what i'm saying this is you when gonna I cry start, i mean i'm not gonna you be- might cry do i have to do like daily check-ins 
Well, listen, I'm not Brandon the Puma Silva here. Hey, you know, this is, but, sometimes it's okay to cry. But I might consider it. Going I, to jail. I might consider it, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Uh, the first game we're going to pick is a 49 versus the Cardinals, which is Thursday Night Football. Great game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, dude, the 49ers are good. They look good. They're undefeated so far. They absolutely dominated the forty. Uh, they absolutely dominated the Panthers on Sunday, fifty-one uh, thirteen. And I know we think McVeigh is the next big thing uh, at head coach for a young quarterback for a young head coach. But I think Kyle Shanahan needs to be up there as well, man. Oh, Shanahan's uh, a trailblazer. Exactly right. He's the OG, dude. If you look back at his track record, he made RG three look good when he wasn't that good. He made the Falcons look amazing. How the Falcons have crumbled up and fell apart ever since he left. Um, and then the and the 49ers this year look absolutely like world beaters. Um, on Sunday, Tevin Coleman was the big offensive star of the game, piling up four touchdowns. Um, standout on defense uh, was my rookie of the year pick, Nick Bosa. He could be defensive player of the year, too. Exactly right. He, he might eventually be defensive player of the year as well. Um, he's working himself into that conversation. He's had three sacks and one INT, which is a great day for him. Um, in regards to the Arizona side, they lost uh, 31-9 to New Orleans. Um, sure, it shows as a, what, 30-point win or whatever it is. Um, but the game was much closer than that. You know what I'm saying? It was not, I'm sorry, a 20-point win or whatever it was. The game was not as bad as as the score indicates. Um, Arizona hung around for a while, um, but a gutsy call by Dancing Cliff doomed them towards the end. Yeah, what the hell was that? Yeah, it was, it was the like, score what was, it? was fourth. Yeah. Fourth and three yeah, so in here, your own 30? I can, I can play this out for you. Score was only 10-6 in the third quarter. They were hanging around. Yeah. Um, and it was a fourth and one on their own 30. And uh, what's that kid's name? Edmonds got stuffed on that fucking play. Yeah. And I was like, dude, why would you go for it on your own 30? That's so stupid. Or, it's 10-6. Your defense is playing great. You or if you're going to go for it, why not do a design run I know, right? with Murray? Like, he's the fastest guy on that field. Yep. The fa- you, you tell me you couldn't roll him out on a bootleg yep. and just get one yard. Yep. So they didn't get that first down. That's when the Saints took control of the game, and it was basically rap- is a wrap at that point. Yeah, who got, what was it, Michael Thomas found the end zone? Yeah, speaking yeah. of Michael Thomas, man. I think Michael Thomas should be in the MVP category. I mean, he played great with Drew Brees. Drew Brees left. He still played great and left and get that team still humming along. And now he's playing great with Drew Brees right. back. So the Saints gotta feel comfortable with that contract. Is that like Drew Brees is gonna be playing the entire only, time? Yeah. If only we had a quarterback that can get him the ball when he's at Ohio State. We had JT Barrett, one of the worst fucking quarterbacks of all yeah, time. Yeah, no doubt. No. Um, okay, in Arizona today actually got Kenyon Drake um, via trade from the uh, the Dolphins. The yep. Dolphins, um, and that's gonna be a great replacement for Edmonds while he's injured. Uh, I think I think uh, I think it's a great move. I think Drake is a good back, and uh, and truthfully, I think he'll fit in perfectly into that 49 system. Right. I'm sorry, into the uh, what you call it, the uh, Arizona Cardinals system. And I'm actually going to go with the upset here, and I've talked myself into taking the Cardinals at home, 27-21. Dude, Thursday night football is always tough. I mean, I'm I was pulling, I had, pulling a Brandon here. All right. I had the Vikings <laughs> burying. Uh, the Redskins and the Redskins last week, they, it was a yeah. game up until Case Keenum was knocked out with a concussion. Yeah. But um, real quick, San Francisco side, I mean, laud the team all you want about the defense. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he's getting all the love on the offensive side of the ball, and rightfully so as the head coach. He's the captain of the ship. But Robert Sala is doing wonders with this defensive unit, with everybody that's healthy. Richard Sherman's looking like his old self. You got Nick Bosa that's just being a savage. He could, he's, he should be defensive player of the year at this point. Um, and it's not like the, the defense for the Cardinals scares anybody. I mean, even with Patrick Peterson coming back, 
Uh, it's a bottom of the league unit in rushing, uh, rushing defense and against the pass. So I think the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers should be able to get something going. Uh, Tevin Coleman uh, should have a day. I think Matt Breida, he may miss. He's been banged up with an ankle issue. He missed most of the game last week with an ankle injury as well, too, along with Raheem Mostert. Uh, so Coleman should be able to eat uh, in this game as well, too. And for those fit for fantasy football real quick, for those of y'all that held on to George Kittle and didn't <coughs> panic, he's in a prime spot to go off this week. Arizona is one of the worst defenses against the tight end, and George Kittle has been due for a long time, and I would expect him to go nuclear in this game. On the Arizona side, there really isn't a whole lot to talk about. Uh, I think the offensive line and Kyler Murray could be in line for a long day at the office with this defensive unit of the 49ers. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals offensive line per pro football focus is ranked 28th uh, throughout the NFL right now. And it looks like David Johnson, like you said, he's going to miss. Kenyon Drake, he's going to be playing. He's going to be seeing a lot of work because uh, the Edmonds kid, he's going to be missing a few weeks with the hamstring pull. Yeah. I think really is the depth chart is Kenyon Drake, Zach Zenner, and insert guy from Market Basket. Like that, that is really it. Um, the over under is 44. Give me, give me the over and give me San Francisco. I just think that Shanahan is on this, you know, world tour of just, you know, putting boots to asses. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ran the score up a little bit on the on the Cardinals yeah. as well. So, but just like the Patriots, their second half season schedule is going to toughen up as well. Oh, for sure. And they've got quite a bit of uh, tough games coming up. This here, is like so. the I think they they play they play Arizona twice in the next three weeks yep. and then like that's really it for cupcakeness yep, yep. on and the schedule like, and it's like Seattle LA Seattle again this is a uh, all the division games yeah there's a lot that's gonna go into their schedule towards the end of the year um okay cool the next game we're gonna pick is the Houston Texans versus Jacksonville Jaguars from Cheerio London exactly now Minshew mania continues as the Jaguars uh beat the Jets 29-15 and mostly due to Darnold's three interceptions side note I love how the scene ghosting is taking a life of its own I fucking love it so much yep there was a guy before the game started he like ran out a banner um, over the stadium saying something about Minshew doesn't see ghosts. Uh, the mascot was the dressed mascot up as a, as a ghost. The mascot with the fucking ghosting was over the fucking line. Yep. I thought it was hilarious. Yep. I could not believe it. Yep. And this thing is going to fucking sit with Sammy Franchise, as my buddy Ryan Sweeney fucking says, the over-the-top Jets fan. Um, Minshew ended up with 279 yards and three touchdowns. Um, with Foles being unav- uh, being available towards the end of the season, I'd be surprised if Minshew is, pill- uh, is pulled. I, I would have pulled him. Yeah, I think this is his job to lose for the rest of the year. You're in the middle of a division race. Yep. We're short of the Colts, running away with it a little bit. They, yep. they're, they're taking they're the there. lead. They're still there. They're still alive. Yep. yep. And there were buyers in the trade deadline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, man, a very well-rounded win for the Jags. Um, defense played really well. Uh, the defense sacked. Sammy franchise eight times. Um, and defense is still thriving without Jalen Ramsey. Jalen uh, Ramsey. Uh, they have had seven turnovers in the last two games. Um, now, J.J. Watt on the Houston side is after the rest of the season with a torn pec, which makes it three out of the last four years, correct? Yep, three out of the last four. Where season-ending injuries. Um, and I think this seriously hurts the Texans' chance of winning a Super Bowl or making a Super Bowl, right? Um and the bigger question is, is this going to be Watt's legacy? Because now we're at the point now where I can remember him being hurt for more time in his career than being a sustained great player. Ever since he signed that contract. 
Mm-hmm. We were talking about that. I remember, the, like, this one of the first things we were talking about when we both, start, both started at, you know, our first job together down in Connecticut. Yep. Where, where we were talking about the J.J. Watt contract yep. because that just broke when we first started. Yep. And we were both like, we were I would f- we not were... pay a defensive end as even as great yep. as J.J. Watt is. That's a lot of money tied up into a guy that's in the trenches mm-hmm. and Thank, I think you could have put that money on Thank the, you, the J.J. Watt contract uh, situation for laying the foundation for the PFR podcast. Yep. <laughs> there it is. It's a glue. And, and like you said, man, uh, what is his legacy? I mean, at this point, I remember him I remember him as a, as a guy that's more hurt than making great plays. Um, and I always say uh, the best ability is availability, and this guy simply has not been there for his team. Um, now, I would be foolish to count off the Texans completely, especially when their quarterback is Deshaun Watson, who is a top-five quarterback. Um, this is a quarterback league, um, so I think they still have a chance in this. Uh, so I will take the Texans 35-25. Okay. All right. Real quick, I mean, just, just to piggyback, I mean, I think Jacksonville defensive-wise, you know, I'm talking about the Houston side of the ball right now. Uh, Jacksonville's 13th against the pass and 16th against the rush. I think DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills, and even Carlos Hyde, they could be in line for a decent day at the office, uh, you know, with with how this defensive unit's played. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's still going to be seeing probably mostly A.J. Bouye on the defensive side of the ball. So if anything, that's going to be opening up Darren Fells and, and, uh, and Kenny Stills to get some passing work in. Uh, but a big piece that's going to be missing or possibly miss is uh, Laramie Tunsil. Uh, he missed the last 10 minutes of the game last week against the Raiders uh, with the shoulder issue. He says he's going to be ready to play in London, but, I mean, it's something worth monitoring, especially it's a, it's an early kickoff. You're traveling cross co- <laughs> across a continent. You know, who knows what happens, especially like these London games get a little weird here. Um, in the, the Jacksonville side, the, the mustache magic continues. I think he could be in a, for a decent spot, especially with JJ Watt missing this game. I mean, really you're rolling into London, uh, going against Whitney merciless. And then who else really scares you on the defensive side of the ball for Houston? It's not a whole lot of people there. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think he's going to do more damage against the Texans through the air than on the ground. Houston's top five against the rush. But uh, that changes with Watt being out. Through eight games, Leo uh, Leonard Fournette has averaged about four receptions for 32 yards. Uh, I think he could find the end zone twice, once in the ground and once through the air. I think he's going to find a lot of work here. Uh, the over-under, it's 47. Uh, give me give me the over and give me give me Jacksonville. I think the uh, the offensive line is going to be key for the Jacksonville side. I think they have the better offensive line out of the two, especially with Laramie Tunsil banged up. All right, all right, cool, cool. Um, next up, we're picking the Vikings versus Chiefs game. There you um, go, Aaron. Right, Aaron the Vikings fan. It's funny, Aaron the Vikings fan was sweating bullets uh, as he felt, though, this is the kind of game the Vikings would lose, right? Against uh, the Chiefs? Uh, no, against uh, the Skins last Oh, that would have been the most on-brand thing. I know, right? That would have been the most on-brand thing for the Vikings where they would have lost a game on Thursday Night Football against the Skins. But they barely pulled it out. Uh, I thought it was going to be a massive shootout. I thought it was going to be massive, like... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Just like rolling over the fucking skins. Kind oh, of I, thing. Thought, I thought uh, it's gonna Captain be a Kirk was going to bury him. I thought it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. But it was only 19-9, which gives you a little cause to pause, right? Mm. But still, they beat him uh, 19-9 for their fourth straight win, uh, bringing them up to 6-2 and two for the year. And it's funny because four weeks ago, this team was about to implode 
right? With Adam Thielen calling out Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs wanting a trade. This thing was going to come off the rails. But winning cures all at the end of the day, right? Yep. Um, and I think the real star of the team is Dalvin Cook. No shit. I think he is, first of all, he's got to be comeback player of the year. Simply put. He no has doubt. to be. He has to be. Dark horse for the MVP too. Exactly. Um, uh, so what he tallied up 171 yards in total offense against the Skins on Thursday Night Football when one touchdown. Um, and Cook leads the NFL in scrimmage yards and has become a dual threat on par with Alvin Kamara and run CMC. Like he's that good in my eyes. Yep. Um, Cook is averaging 11.6 yards after uh, the catch per reception, which is a big number. Now, the big test for the Vikings is coming up next two weeks versus the Chiefs and the boys. Um, obviously, the Chiefs don't have uh, Patrick Mahomes, but still hostile environment in Arrowhead. Um, and Matt Moore actually played pretty well the other night. Now, on the other side... Who would have thought the Chiefs would have lost three games in their head before Halloween, right? All those talks of these guys are going to be like 14-2, and 15-1, runaway MVP. And it's funny how all these, like, storylines at the beginning of the year just kind of fall apart in the NFL. That's why I love the game so much. It's the greatest reality in, show. Yeah, week in and week out, things change on a fucking dime. Um, so the Chiefs lost to the Packers Sunday night, uh, 31 to 24 to print the record to five and three. Um, and it was frustrating uh, for a Chiefs fan watching this game, I'm sure, because the Chiefs didn't lose because of bad quarterback play, um, with Matt Moore. Matt Moore actually had 267 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it was more about the players around, uh, it was more about the players around Matt Moore dropping the ball and Aaron Rodgers' greatness in general that kind of buried them. Um, to give you some context about the lack of, um, great plays around Matt Moore. Uh, McCoy fumbled in a key part of the game. Uh, Kelsey dropped a touchdown pass. Um, Watkins dropped a massive gain um, that if he caught would have been a massive uh, uh, position shift for those guys. But at the end of the day, I think the struggles continue for the Chiefs and the Vikings beat them 21-14. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Matt Moore was going b- blow for blow. Pretty yep, much. He was. The whole time. Yep. That blew my mind. I was expecting Green Bay to just completely roll well, on the Chiefs. Did, we, did it, though? I mean, Andy Reid can always get a quarterbacks to play. You know that. Right. right? And we so. and we were on here last week saying that everyone's writing off the Chiefs. And we're like, hang the fuck on. Yeah. Like, Matt Moore is, yeah. is I like more them. than serviceable. Yeah. Like, he can, he he can hold his own. It was about people fumbling around him or not catching touchdown passes. Right. It was just. I don't, know how, I don't know how Shady doesn't fumble more with how he carries the football. He's, he's like out here. But. That's he's like he's like shaking salt with it for some no reason. No like, what, what are you fucking shaking salt right. with, with the fucking football for? Dude, dude tuck like, it away. Your, your team doesn't even have a run game. You're touching the football. Hold on to the goddamn football. Fucking that cut on. But down. um, the Minnesota side. I mean, Dalvin Cook, great. Ale- Alexander Madison, he's he's a he's a thumper back there too. He could see some work. I mean, and I and I think this uh, Dalvin Cook. I think he's gonna see. Uh, a lot of work on the ground. I think this is the best running back through eight weeks that the Kansas City Chiefs have faced. And despite some improvements on the defensive side of the football from Steve Spagnuolo, they're still one of the worst teams to stop the rush. And I think Dalvin Cook is in line to eat them alive. Like they're going to do, they're going to feed him the ball. He's going to run between the tackles. (coughs) And then in that game last week against uh, the Redskins, they were just killing Washington with a bunch of screen passes to Dalvin Cook. And I could see that happening again against this Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he's going to need more games like Captain Kirk and less games like Kirby Cousins. 
he just needs to be smart with the football. If there's nothing there, take the easy money, take the check down to either Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph or or, uh, or Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Uh, you know, get the run game going. He's one. He's like I said last week. He's the most least most lethal quarterback off of play action, and I think he's, he's going to be in line for a decent day as well too. The only issue on the defensive side of the ball is the secondary uh, for the Vikings. Xavier Rhodes, it used to be Rhodes closed, and now it's like Rhodes partially open. Like he he got burned a few times last week by you know scary Terry uh, F one McLaurin. Uh, a couple of times last week. Oh boy, go bug eyes. Yep. Uh, so, so much talent out of that Ohio State team, bro. Yeah, and McLaurin's dude. McLaurin should be in the running for offensive rookie. He the was year. like our third best wide receiver after Paris Campbell and like a couple of the guys. Yep. <laughs> and look at that. They're they're all in the NFL right now, and scoring McLaurin is getting all the headlines. I, uh, I heard some guy call him McLaren on on the broadcast, yep. and I was like, that's a cool name. Yeah, it's called McLaren. <laughs> yeah, his nickname. Uh, I think it's Mike Mike Clay of ESPN. He started the nickname uh, F1 McLaurin. If you go on, I like it. I like it. If you go on the Roto Wire uh, or Roto World T-shirt website, they have a, a, a F1 shirt in Redskins colors with like uh, McLaurin running. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but he kind of ate Xavier Rhodes alive. He really I, did. I was surprised. Xavier Rhodes is a good cornerback in the NFL, and McLaurin had, had his fucking day with him. Yeah. McLaurin would have had a touchdown if it wasn't for passing interference. Yep, yep. Uh, that mm-hmm. was the one thing that saved him. Uh, and I think just with the, how much speed is on the perimeter with the Mecole Hardmans and the the uh, the uh, Demarcus Robinsons and the Tyreek Hills of the world and even Travis Kelsey, he's not slow either. I think there's enough speed to stretch this defense thin. And I think in order for them to keep up, Xavier Rhodes is going to have to step his game up. And I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it. But, you know, with it being eight weeks in the season right now, uh, the Kansas City side – they're gonna have to attack through the air just because of the secondary. Uh, the 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 front four, the front seven of the Vikings are still good. They're still stout against the rush. They're gonna have to beat them through the air, uh, and they're gonna have to watch out for the screen plays. Uh, the over under. When I did the, the 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 notes last night, it wasn't even on the board. Uh, I think they were waiting to see what the Mahomes deal was. There were rumblings he might try to lobby to play this week. Uh, we'll see as this week goes on. Uh, but I just looked on Sportsline. The over-under is 49. Uh, I might... I'm going to take the over in this game. Uh, but give me... Give me Minnesota. Okay. Even right. though Kansas City's favored by two and a half. Yeah. But give me give me Minnesota in this game. All right. Same here. Same here. Cool. It should be a fun game to watch. Uh, next up, the uh, Patriots versus the Ravens. And uh, I'm not going to go through all the Patriots storylines just because I did them in the first segment of the podcast. Um, but overall, uh, they're getting better on offense uh, week by week, and the defense is balling out like no other. Uh, the Ravens side, they were on a bye last week, but let's talk about what has worked for them this year and why they are 5-2. Uh, and two. Main reason, simply put, Lamar Jackson, right? Um, the offense that Lamar leads is averaging 30.6 points per game and 434 yards of offense per game, which is the best in franchise history. Lamar Jackson has uh, 576 rushing yards uh, so far, which makes him 10th best in the NFL. Uh, next quarterback on that list is Kyler Murray at 38th, so quite a big gap. Um, he's on pace to finish with 13, 16 rushing yards, which beats Michael Vick's 10-39 uh, in 2006. He also has 11 touchdowns and 5 interceptions, which is a great ratio. Um, and I say all this because I believe Lamar Jackson to be the real deal, and he will hand New England his first loss. That's where I'm going with, too. You didn't expect that, did you? No. Not going to lie. Yeah. 
Nope. Now, I think the pass defense is great, but there are some chinks in the armor where the linebacker speed play isn't there besides Jamie Collins. I think Jamie Collins is as fast as it come at linebacker, but Hightower is not that quick um, sideline to sideline linebacker. He's downhill, hit you in the mouth kind of thing, and I don't think anybody else can cover um, Lamar Jackson besides Collins uh, and maybe even bring in a fucking safety. I don't know how they're going to cover. I really don't know right. how to cover Lamar Jackson. It's the first time Belcher's going to play Lamar Jackson, so right. let's see what the game plan is. Right? And you figure, I mean, a lot of this defense that, that Belichick's had going for the uh, the Pats has been a lot of a lot of man. Yeah. Like if you're gonna play man the whole time, yep. Lamar Jackson's gonna eat you alive exactly, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So you figure you're probably gonna put Jamie Collins a zone or yep. not zone a spy. Spy. Yep. You have him spy, and then and you're gonna be playing the pocket. Play zone, maybe a little bit of Tampa two, like yep. something. It's, it's it's gonna come down to. And I, and I think sometimes we overcomplicate things, but the simple answer is they're going to have to put a spy with Jamie Collins and then not rush him, but create a pocket around him, right, to force him to throw the football. The second you got him outside the pocket, it's over for you. It's over. You're not right. able to catch up to him. So you turn him into a, uh, turn him into a thrower where obviously he has some issues. Um, and you just buy him and contain him in that pocket. You don't rush him. You just set up a bracket around him, have him throw the football. Yeah. So and rush- hope... And hope those cornerbacks like Stephon Gilmore can come through and right. uh, and play uh, play man. Right. Um, I was gonna say so. I this is one of the three losses the Patriots will have this year as I have them finishing thirteen and three. Um, Ravens twenty four, Pats twenty one. And side note, uh, the Pats fans and the Pats media need to chill with that sixteen and zero talk. Like that shit needs to fucking chill because this team is not as good as the two thousand seven team. Defense might be better, but as a whole team, absolutely not. And I want the pass to lose a game or two along the way to alleviate the Just pressure. Just get it out of the way. Alleviate the pressure of the undefeated season. I will go to my grave believing that 2017 was way better than the Giants team. But that pressure caught up to him in that Super Bowl run against the Giants in 2007. So I I would rather take a Super Bowl over an undefeated season any day of the week. And I am more than happy for these guys to lose a couple of games here and there. Yeah. Yeah, just on the defensive side, I mean, that's been the one weakness is the the, the rushing attack. Yeah. I mean, they, they gave up 131 yards on 20 carries to Nick Chubb, and Chubb could have found the end zone if he could have just held on to the football. Uh, kind of got you know bailed out by, what was the cat's name? He was a cornerback that punched it out, right? Uh, I forget his name. God, why is this living in my mind right now? Sykes Jones, I believe? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jones punched it out, uh, but... That that the defense we just talked about, they're gonna have to figure out ways to contain Lamar Jackson. Uh, the I think Sanu he could be in line for more work uh, just because he got another week in the system. He's got more time with the playbook. They were trying to make it a point to get him a little bit more involved in the first first quarter, second quarter of last week's game. Uh, and Baltimore's twenty six against the pass. But the addition of Marcus Peters changes things a bit. I still think that Peters and Humphreys could be the best cornerback pairing in the NFL uh, with them playing for the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the offensive line is still, I'm still going to say it, I'm still going to say it until I see different signs of life. Yeah. I mean, they're the, the 11th but ranked. do you see what I see, though, where they, they can't seem to protect the short and mid routes, but it's whenever they want to develop downfield, right. there's absolutely no protection. Right. It's over. That's none. And that's why they're ranked 11. I think, uh, what was it? Brady's been hit 20, yeah, 28 times so far. For and they're flushing, like they're flushing Brady out of the pocket. And, this, and I know people want to bury Brady, but I still see zip on the ball when it's coming out. I still see a good quarterback. I just see bad offensive line. Right. Play. He doesn't have time. Like, there's there's times where he throws the ball, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, look at that fucking rocket. And he just have fucking time. So, hopefully that can... Uh, you know, get better along the season as the season goes along. Yep. Uh, so the, the offensive line is just a liability still. The Baltimore side, 
besides running the ball, uh, Baltimore looks to have more speed back for this game on the perimeter. It looks like Hollywood Brown, he's going to be back to play in this game. He's been sidelined for the last three weeks uh, with the foot issue. Uh, it's still going to be throw at your own risk. I mean, you got to figure Gilmore is probably going to be lined up on, on Hollywood Brown. So it's gonna they're gonna have to figure out different ways. I mean, I don't know. Are you gonna live and die going against Willie Sneed? I, I don't know about that. So it's still gonna be throw at your own risk for the Baltimore side of the ball uh, to air it out. Uh, defensive wise, they're gonna have to generate pressure against this you know compromised offensive line. The pass rush for Baltimore's towards the bottom, but the offensive line for the Pats it is what it is. Uh, and then I'm a firm believer that if you're gonna try to keep pace against this Patriots team, especially the defense that's scoring on defense, your defensive unit is going to need to generate turnovers and score. Now, it's not just one thing to recover a fumble or get a pick from Brady. You need to bring that to the house. Like, if you're going to try to keep pace with this team uh, of the of the Patriots, you're going to have to score on defense. It's, it's like uh, back in 2002 with John Gruden and, uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he would lay down the gauntlet of, I want this team to score at – most you know at least two touchdowns a game on the defensive side of the football I think your team that week is going to need that mentality when you play the New England Patriots and the over under it's 44 and a half I'm with you Jay give me the uh give me Baltimore give me the over at home uh and also the point spread for this game has New England favored by three and a half points which I think is the lowest it's been for them through eight weeks this season So yeah. first real test. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, dude, we gotta find a good space to uh, good space to watch this game up in Buffalo because mm. like we'll get done with the uh, Bills game by like four four thirty. Right. We'll get done with traffic getting out of there, but we gotta find a good spot to chill, watch this game, bro. Yeah. We'll chill out. Um, next up, Giants versus the boys on Monday Night Football. Um, Giants are two and six, and by all counts, not having a good year. Um, now, even though the Giants lost on Sunday to the Lions, it was a much needed big performance by DJ. Um, as going into the the game, he was 11 turnovers and six, six touchdowns. Um, but with his performance on Sunday with four touchdowns and interceptions, he's at 12 turnovers and 10 touchdowns for the year. So he's kind of getting back to 500 in that regards. Um, now, one has to wonder if Eli would have been uh, would have this team more competitive in the wins loss column, right? Um, I think uh, at two and six, uh, I think Eli could squeeze out more wins than two and six. So um, if you're a Giants fan, maybe the tactic of starting starting DJ might have been a bad one. I think maybe you, you should have stuck out with Eli for one more year and have DJ starting next year. Now, Giants did make a trade today to help out with the, with the D. Um, Giants sent a third and a fifth to New York Jets for Leonard Williams, a very hefty price for a defensive end. That has vastly underproduced this season. So let's hope Gelman hits on that um, on that trade. Now, boys, uh, the Cowboys are off of a bye week and rest and are ready to go for the second half of the season. Um, Zeke finally is uh, playing to Zeke level. Um, he looked out of sync at, right after his holdout. Um, but in back-to-back weeks leading up to the bye, he had 140 scrimmage yards. Um, with the running game stabilized, um, the boys traded for Michael Bennett from New England. Uh, Bennett plus Quinn plus Lawrence should make for a good pass rush. Um, I think Bennett's going to make a big splash with probably two, t- probably two sacks against uh, DJ. And the boys beat uh, New York Giants handedly 35 to about 21. 
Um, and then all the chart is going to heat up uh, in the New York. It actually started last week, truthfully, in the New York market by pointing at Shermer to be fired as head coach because he's always the fall guy for being a head coach. So uh, you're going to start hearing those rumors quite a bit, I think, in the next two or three weeks with Pat Shermer and his job security. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, the Dallas side, uh, just go back to the well. Go back to the first three weeks of the season. Uh, play action and air the ball out. The Giants... I mean, granted, they, they made that trade for Leonard. Uh, they didn't get rid of uh, the Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins. He's still back there in the secondary. But it doesn't change the fact that the Giants are 25th against the pass and got torched at times by the big play. Just look at last week's tape against the Lions with, like, the fl- – I think it was uh, – I think they did a flea flicker of that game with Matthew Stafford, and he found yeah. uh, Kenny Galladay in the end zone on a bomb. And then uh, I think it was – Marvin Marvin Harrison wasn't Marvin Jones. Marvin Harrison found the end zone on a big play as well too. Uh, so this this secondary is just a gas can. Uh, Zeke's in line for a decent day, especially especially since uh, you know he's been getting more reps from the week one holdout. Uh, but I think the defensive side they're going to need to contain Saquon Barkley. Uh, Quads has been getting more and more involved uh, since he's returned from his high ankle sprain. He went off a little bit last week against the Detroit Lions. And, uh, you know, surprising enough, Dallas is uh, just inside the the top, uh, I believe it's like the top 15. I don't know why I typed 25. That seems crazy. The top 15 against the rush. And I think Barkley could get a lot of work, especially through the air. Uh, the Giants side, Jones just needs to protect the football. In his one relief appearance in week one uh, against Dallas on the road, uh, he he had a fumble. I mean, that, that's been the story of his season so far. Has just been lack of ball security. He's need to he needs to shore that up. He had that last week against Detroit. He didn't have he didn't put the ball on the ground. I think he's definitely going to need to repeat and build on that this week against Dallas. Uh, and Evan Ingram, I think he could be in line for a really decent day. Dallas is 29th uh, against defending the tight end. In their first matchup, he had 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. I think he could eclipse that uh, in this matchup this week. And I would honestly expect to see a little bit more designed runs from Daniel Jones. I mean, he averages about three rushes for 17 yards per game. Uh, But, you know, throw a wrinkle at this Dallas defense. You know, you need to start using Daniel Jones' athleticism to you guys' advantage. Throw a little curveball here or there, Uh, you know especially with it possibly being a shootout. You're going to have to score points to keep up with this Dallas offense here. Uh, the over-under is 48. Uh, give me the over, but give me Dallas on the road. I just think, that, you know, they're, they're the better team on paper. So. Sure. Cool, cool. Awesome. Well, that concludes our uh, picking the game segment for week nine. Yeah. You uh, have anything that you want to get to, sir? No. I mean, really just a quick update, uh, recording update. So, Poncho and myself, we're going to be off next week. Uh, Jay's getting, where are you going? You're going West Coast? I'm actually not going anywhere next, next week. I'm going on the 11th. Oh, um, the 11th. 11th of November. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't, isn't the 11th next week? Today's the 29th of October. Oh, shit. Are, dude, are you okay? I, I thought it was next week. The Because f- when I'm going to the Caribbean. The 11th of November is two weeks away from now. Oh, shit. Well, I'm on crack. I thought it was this coming week. Anywho. Dude, uh, seriously, like, let's chill with the crack, all right? I don't know. You know what it was? Because <laughs> you were texting me about it last week trying to plan. So I was thinking it was closer. So, uh, anywho, 
disregard everything I just said. Yeah, we'll be back next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll give you the full rundown of Bill's Mafia and our so. trip to Buffalo. <laughs> my bad. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, really, I'll just plug it up at this point. And Stupid! Get my, get my foot out of my mouth. I don't know. You're the one that's planning like four weeks in it. I just gave you a heads up. I was like, yo, listen. I Let's plan this shit out. I like to have my shit. I like to have my calendar set, all right? Yeah, uh-huh. Have the calendar set. Organized. This guy. This guy right here. Anywho. Well, I said the 11th of November. It's not like I tricked you into thinking it right. was. Right. What, what I'm saying, though, is it was so early out, it yeah. just seemed like it was closer than what it really was, especially with how busy November is. We're going to Buffalo this week. I'm going to the Caribbean that time. Yep. Somehow I need to figure out when I'm celebrating my birthday yep. and doing all this other shit. So November's a little bit of a crazy Dude, month on my let's, end. Let's get crunk for your birthday, bro. So, uh, yeah. Plugging it up. Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download. You can find this on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Let us know. Give us feedback. Hit us up on social media. And uh, that's really all I got. This is your podcast. We want to tailor it towards you. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for the support. We love you guys all. We'll see you next time. Bye, Uncle Peter.